Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. You guys can be seated. What a, what a joy to be back at Grace Covenant Church. I came right before the pandemic. Look at your neighbor and say, you made it. Come on, just tell them you made it. We made it through. Come on, how many all excited we made it through? We made it through. You're still here. I'm still here. We're still here. And uh, I just want to say to tell us how proud I am of him. And um, I, uh, I've been coming for 10 years, been friend with Pastor Brett and Cynthia, Jennifer and I for, gosh, 20, 22 years. I think it's my fifth time being here, but I just want to say to you how proud I am of you. And of course, when I heard uh, the great news about God setting you in uh, through the leadership here as the lead pastor, and uh, I, I, I cannot tell you, let me just tell you to all of you, God, God is doing something special, unique, and powerful with young leaders in our nation right now. Come on, how many of y'all believe that? And of course, AJ and AJ as well, a right-hand man here. We're just, I, I'm telling you, this is, what a sense. By the way, I, I looked at a pastor during, right after worship, he says, you're getting ready to preach. I said, I hope I don't mess it up. How many of y'all sense God in the house? Come on, man. I was like, I don't want to mess anything up. You know what I'm saying? What God, what God is doing. But my wife will be at the next service. Uh, we're so excited to be here in Washington, D.C. area. Uh, we, we are thrilled. We're going to be here this week. Uh, it's Mardi Gras back home, which means we're gone. I'm not staying up in that sin. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, that's too much sin. Bye. I don't want it up on me. And uh, so we... People come, we go. And uh, so we're excited to be. We thank you for the warm welcome into your city and, uh, and, and into your, your area. Today, I want to talk to you about a message I've entitled Saved But Struggling. Saved But Struggling. The reality is, is that all of us in our lives come to moments where I'm not talking about just trials. I'm talking about where there's real struggles. We all go through things, adversity, obstacles, but yet... There's times in our lives where we recognize and we realize, wait a minute, hold on. Just when I feel like I'm moving forward, it's almost like that bungee cord. It's like, it just pulls me back. And why is it? I know I'm going to heaven. I know my name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. I know I've been washed by the blood of Christ. And yet there are these besetting sins Paul talks about. There's these habitual things in my life. I know I'm saved, but I'm struggling I'm struggling with some things. Today I want to talk to you about why is it? The Bible talks about there's an antidote to some of these things that, that, that sometimes that we, we're looking for these deep, mysterious things, and yet it's so pl plain and clear in the Scripture. Now I want to just say this, and I shared, I think my first time comes about 10 years ago. I shared a little bit of my testimony, Pastor. I, 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 it, was, it was interesting. I grew up in the New Orleans area. My mom, we grew up kind of going to a liturgical church, and you know, you kind of got... Extra credit for not moving around. How many know what I'm talking about? And if you did move around, your mom looked at you. And if she looked at you, it wasn't with a godly eye. It was an evil eye. Meaning that if you move again, you're fixing to see Jesus. I was a hyperactive kid. It was very hard for me to sit still. I didn't have all the stuff that they have today. But they, they, I think they actually did experimental hyperactive drugs on me in the 70s. I'm serious. I just, I'm moving around it. And yet, so then one day we found out we, we, my mom brought us to another church and pastor that we went into the church and I'm serious. I'm not making this up. We, they had drums and guitars. I'm like, I didn't know that was legal. <laughs> People just jump in and sing and it was crazy. And, and so my mom, we went to a Bible 
teaching church, a spirit-filled church, all these new terms. And then I found out about this, this thing called this list, and, and it was a prayer list. My mom had a prayer list. And on the top of the prayer list, I'm 12, was my heathen son, Steve. <laughs> How you know when your mom calls you a heathen, you're bad? You know what I'm talking about? You're just bad, <laughs> you know? And so for the next seven years, uh, my, my parents prayed for me. Uh, they gave money to television evangelists to pray for me. They did everything they could. I gave them not heaven. There's another word. I'm serious. I, I really did. My mom called the police on me for fighting. And, and uh, yeah, it was bad. And uh, anyway, I'll see y'all next time. Anyway, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Pat's like, get that guy out of here. <laughs> you know, this guy's a wreck. That was BC. BC. And uh, so, how many of y'all great for this? Uh, everybody say BC. And whatever the one is AD or whatever it means in Latin. It's before Christ and after Christ. So finally, finally, I, I uh, matter of fact, I was, I was going to play football at Tulane University. I lived at home my first semester. I was actually walking on a long story. My parents made me go to church. I was a freshman in college and, and, these, and, uh, and these two girls invited me to a Bible study. And when, when they invited me, is two girls. I just thought, man, I don't know if I want to do this. You know, I'm partying. I'm living like the devil. And, and I remember walking in there and I gave my heart to Christ. And I was right at 19 years old. My life was, was transformed. And I, I'd actually thought that I'd sinned too much. God couldn't forgive me. By the way, I want to say this. There's nobody in this place, nobody watching online where nobody has ever committed a sin that the arm of God is not strong enough to go wash and cleanse and pull you in. I got born again and I was transformed. Everybody say transformed. About six months after that, maybe three or four months after that, I was walking at a shopping center and I smelled a perfume. Now I'm going to get real transparent here. A perfume of an old girlfriend. And all of a sudden it was walk, somebody walking by. And all of a sudden these images came up in my mind that were not godly images. And the devil was right there. And I'm telling you, jumped on me and condemned me. You see that? You're not saved. You didn't give your heart to Christ. So you know what I did next Sunday? I went up and I, I, I rededicated my life to Christ. I thought, I, I, gotta, I just got to get, I got to just rededicate. And then, and then I had some more struggles. And, and pastor, we had a Sunday night church. Let me tell you the purpose of Sunday night church. It's to rededicate. That's what, it's whatever you did between Sunday morning and Sunday night. We got to get it right. You know, we get, we're getting ready to have a big week. But anyway, so, and, 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 and thank God there was a, a great man in our church that took me under his wing. And he said, Steve, you need to quit rededicating and you need to start renewing your mind. The problem's not in your heart. The problem's in your head. I want to talk to you today about saved but struggling. Proverbs chapter 23, verse seven says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. The reality is our thinking. We don't realize how much our thinking controls our lives. Our thoughts are powerful. There are studies right now, neuroscience. Some of you may be even in that industry. And there's just so much breakthrough the last 10 years talking about how much our brain and the real estate in our brain and the, the, the neuroplasticity, that's actually a term that actually says that you can rewire your brain. If the secular culture talks about rewiring your brain, how many of you know how much more does God actually originate that concept? By the way, if there's ever a breakthrough in science, it's like, oh, that's transformative. God said it thousands of years ago, whether culture gives it credit or not. The Bible talks about renewing the mind. Everybody say renewing, renewing. the mind. 
We can't control where we're born. We can't can always control what happens to us. We can't control some of the things about our, our height and these different things, but we can control what we allow to go into our minds. And it's amazing what happens is sometimes as Christians, our hearts are for God. We're fired up for God, but we don't realize we're allowing things in our minds. And the struggle often comes in our mind, which because what you think about determines what you feel about and what you feel about determines what you decide about. And then your habits form and then your character and your destiny. And the reality is if you don't like where your life is ending up today, go back and start challenging what you're allowing in your mind. Paul talks about this. He talks about what happens in the mind. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. Well, pastor, when, when I gave my heart to Christ, was I changed or was I not? The answer is yes, you were changed, but no, you weren't fully changed. Pastor, is that biblical? Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become what? Come on, say it new. The question is what became new when you got saved? This is the struggle that so many Christians are in right now. Their heart was changed. They're, they were born again. Their name was written out in the Lamb's book of life, but the tr- the struggle for the Christian is in the mind. It's in your mind, which then determines your emotions and what you feel up and down and up and down. Paul said it this way in first Thessalonians chapter five, verse 23, by the way, I have a diagram. Do you guys have that diagram that I, that I, that I wrote? Okay, here it is. Everybody say spirit. In the Bible, your spirit is analogous to the term the heart. So your heart, when you're born again, the spirit of God comes to live not in your head, but in your heart. This is important. So when you're born again, you give your heart to Christ. Pastor preaches a message. The altar's open. You give your heart to Christ. You feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit. Your spirit gets saved. Now, let me tell you what doesn't change. So it's immediate. Boom, you're justified. You're going to heaven. You're washed. But now the struggle becomes in your soulish realm, your mind, your will, and your emotions. We are connected to the earth. Watch this. With our five senses, what you see, smell, taste, hear. So you smell something. It produces an image in your mind. You begin to feel that feeling and the devil condemns you. Your problem is not in your heart. It's in your head. And that's why Paul says, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, now may the God of peace sanctify and complete, uh, sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, everybody say spirit. Everybody say soul. And everybody say body. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is showing us that we are three-part beings. You, watch this, you were saved when you gave your heart to Christ. You're being saved as you renew your mind. And ultimately, your body will be. Let me just tell you something. This is such a struggle for Christians. You're saved, but then your mind is that battlefield. So what is our challenge? I'm going to ask you guys to stand for my key text. Romans chapter 12. Verse one and two. I feel the presence of God right now. I'm telling you, God is going to touch people. He is touching people. Paul says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your what? Everybody say it. Bodies. Why bodies? Because in your body is your soul and in your soul is your spirit. As your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is your true and proper worship. Verse two. Do not conform. To the pattern of the world. How many of you know the world's got a pattern? 
The world's got a pattern of how your marriage should look, how your family should look, how life should look, but God has a plan. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, the cosmos, but he was, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. Don't conform, rather be transformed. How? By the renewing of your what? Say it. Mind. He's talking to Christians. These are saved people, but they're struggling. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You may be seated. Today, I'm going to talk to you about three keys to renewing the mind. Three keys to renewing the mind. Number one, surrender your total life to God. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies. Everyone say bodies. It's powerful to see here that Paul makes a comparison and a comprehensive call, let me say it that way, for us to respond to great mercy to present our total selves. How often do we say to God, God, you can have this part of my life, but not that part of my life. You, you, can, you, can have, you can have my motives, but not my money. You can have my marriage, but not my morality. You, you can have, my, come on, are y'all with me? In other words, we want to we sexualize our lives and we want to say, God, you can have this, but you can't have that. Worship is not just, and it's beautiful here, 30 minutes of singing. It's called living your total self before God in a posture of, God, everything I've got is yours. Everything I've got is yours. I surrender. Everyone say surrender. Now, it's interesting. The Bible, Paul, we believe all of the scriptures inspired by God. And yet there's a term here. He says a living sacrifice. Again, that term is used. Paul was a Jewish man who put his faith in Christ. So he understood very much so the Levitical system. He understood sacrifices in the Old Testament. And I know pastors, a Bible teacher, and, and they'll te- you, you learn the word about the whole sacrificial system pointing to what? Pointing to Christ. And so they were talking about, you know, these, these, these perfect lambs and, and spotless lambs. And then they talked also about doves and all these different things and sacrificial system. Now, there's a big difference between an Old Testament sacrifice and a New Testament. By the way, there's a big difference between a dead sacrifice and a living sacrifice. Let me tell you what a dead sacrifice is. You guys ready? This is deep theology. A dead sacrifice, watch this. Come on, y'all with me? Is dead. In the Hebrew and the Greek, come on. Either one you want to use. So a dead sacrifice, you put a dead sacrifice on an altar. It's dead. Just laying there, dead. But Paul doesn't liken our Christian life, watch this, to a dead sacrifice. He actually says, present yourself on that altar as a living sacrifice. Why? Here's the challenge with the living sacrifice. A living sacrifice can get on that altar, but if the hot, if the heat gets too hot, guess what? The living sacrifice can just get right off. I don't, I don't like that preaching pastor. I don't like the fact I, I want to give this part to God, but I'm not sure about that. And I'm not sure about, in other words, so, so, so Paul says, don't do that. We, we, we were in the presence of God and God's presence is here and, and the preaching of the word of God. And, and we're, we're saying, God, we give you our whole heart. And yet then we expose ourselves to programs that are foul and they're perverse. And Paul says, don't do that. 
ideologies and philosophies. I, I, matter of fact, and I say this respectfully, but, but some Christians are what I call hokey pokey Christians. Y'all, y'all remember that when y'all were kids? <clears throat> y'all remember that? We, we had a thing called skate country. Yeah, skate country, you'd skate. How many of y'all skated as kids? Yeah, yeah, it's a, okay, yeah. You put your right foot in. Come on. You put, take your right foot out. You put your right foot in and you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. That's what it's all about. Come on. You put your left foot in. You take your left foot out. You put your left foot in and you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. That's what it's all about. Come on. That's what happens. I'll serve God for a while. It gets little intense. The conviction is strong. I don't like what pastor preached. I'll turn around. That's what it's all about. He's talking about serving. He's talking about caring for people. I don't really like that. I just wanted to hear a sweet message and go home. Da, 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 da. Does that make sense? Everybody say all in. We got to be all in. We got to show up before the word. We got to show up in prayer. We got to show up in the house of God. We got to, in other words, in other words, Paul, Paul, Paul talks about worship is not, not just, you know, worship. Some of you guys grew up. Worship was the whole hour. You know, as charismatic church talks about worships to 30 minutes before the pre, in other words, worship is your whole life. God, everything I have. Paul says, surrender your total life to God. Number two, transform your thinking. Because in my body is my soul. And in my soul is my, it's my whole self. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. The world has a pattern. And they're going to try to imprint that pattern on you. How to think. How to believe. How to raise your kids. How to be married. How to do life. Paul says, don't do that. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul starts by telling us, don't be pressed into the mold of the value systems of culture, the ideologies, the philosophies, the hedonistic thought patterns that, that deify. Ultimately, life is about pleasure. It's about deifying pleasure in the, in the body. And no, 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 no. Paul says, don't, don't be pressed into that. I, I as a kid, I, I grew up in the New Orleans area, and we did a thing called, um, in art class, we had Plaster Paris. Do you all remember Plaster Paris? I think they still have that. And I, I remember we'd build the mold. We, we, would, we would build the mold and, and, and with wood, and then you would take Plaster Paris and then you would pour it into, and here it is. Whatever you pour it into took on the shape of the mold that you built on the front end. Our mind, watch this, when we allow it to be, watch this, conform to the world, God tries to pour in his life and his presence and his power. The problem is our lives take on the mold of what we allowed our thinking to adapt and adopt. Paul says, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't allow that. Well, you'll always be. No, I'm not going to always be. The enemy comes and lies to me and 
Remember, that's what he was saying. You're always going to live in immorality. You're, no, 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 no. That was my old man. That person's been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. And let me just tell you something. I'm not what I used to be. I am what God says I am now. You're not your past. You are what God says you are. Does that make sense? You're not your mistakes. You're not a sum total of what has always happened. No, no, no. I'm a new person in Christ. I'm a new person in Christ. I'll never forget my... There was a lady that called our church at the first year of the church. She goes, if those people at that church find out what your husband was like. And he, she goes, well, he tells them every week what he used to be like. <laughs> because when you understand if any person's in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How many of you are grateful for God's grace? Come on, his transformative grace. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not what I used to. Paul Paul says, don't be conformed, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. The word transformed is an interesting word. Here it is. This is sixth grade science class. Y'all ready? The word transform is the word metamorpho. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. Paul says, when you renew your mind, and this is important, your spirit and your heart is born again. You're justified. You're right before God. You're going to heaven. But your mind, where your soul, your mind, your emotions, Paul says, don't be conformed, but be transformed. What does it mean to be transformed, to metamorph? It, it's, the, it's the term where, watch this, a caterpillar is actually transformed into a butterfly. In other words, the more that I renew my mind, the more that I get my thinking in line with God's thinking, the more that I think right, the more that I'll feel right, and the more that I feel right, the more that I'll decide right, and that I'll have godly habits, and I'll have godly character, and I'll have a godly direction to my life. You got to see this. So Paul said, don't be conformed. Everyone say conformed. Don't be conformed to the philosophy of the world, but be transformed, what? By the renewing of your mind through the power of God's word. So there's a taking off of the old and there's a putting on of the new. And that's the Christian life. That's called sanctification. That's called renewing of the mind. I'm giving you all these analogous terms. Ephesians chapter four, verse 22 says that you put off. Everybody say put off. He's talking to Christians here concerning your former conduct. Don't let it creep back on you. The old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man. So there's a taking off and there's a putting on. And this is called not walking in the flesh, but walking in the spirit. There's a taking off. My wife will be at the next service. We have four children. My oldest children, my oldest daughter was amazing. And and my two boys and they're great. And then my precious little daughter and, and, um, I used to, by the way, do a lot of parenting seminars till my kids became teenagers. I don't talk about parenting now. I just talk about God's mercy and prayer. Come on, y'all. I just like God's sovereignty. Praise God. Praise God. I used to be an expert till I had kids. But anyway, so, anyway, so I'm serious. I just, Lord, whatever. It's all yours. They all belong to you. But anyways, I don't know why I said that, but it felt good. <laughs> What was my point? Oh, yeah. Oh, so my oldest, so my daughter, my wife is like, she's a teacher. You know, she's like, you know, she's real good with kids. And, and so I remember we had our first child. My, she's a daughter, my daughter. And she, my wife, I remember, she's like, she made me read books. Like, don't touch the soft spot. If you touch the soft spot, their head, they just could die, you know. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to touch the soft spot. If you hold them right, you know, if you hold them wrong, you break their leg. You know, I'm like, okay, I want to hold them right. I don't want to kill them by touching the soft spot. 
Is there anything else you want to say before you go to the shopping center? You know, <laughs> I don't want to touch a soft spot and I don't want to break her leg. So she, so she left pastor one day. She's like, she's, she's, she's left her in my care. High trust. This is like a moment. It's like, so I remember her going off and I'm just holding my little baby. She's three months. I'm like, I hope I don't kill you accidentally. You know what I'm, saying? I'm serious. I'm like, it's a big moment, you know? So, you know, so there it is. My wife leaves. She's going to the store. It's 1990, whatever, seven, you know? And so there she is and I'm holding her. And all of a sudden, you know what happens? She goes to the bathroom. I know this is church. It wasn't number one. And I thought, how's it gonna ha- how am I going to do that? I'm going to break her leg. I could kill her. <laughs> I don't know what to do. My God, this is terrible. I thought, and then I had an idea. I thought, I'll tell you what I'll do. So I just, all I did was, is I just put powder. Because <laughs> I'm like, because I know there's a smell. There's lots of things happening here. So I just put a lot of powder, just like a lot. And then I just put a, I just put a fresh diaper just right up on top of her, pulled her pants back up. I thought we're good. <laughs> the problem is, the problem is there's a, there's a, a spillage issue. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So when my wife came home. I'm going to get to the Bible, Pastor. Anyway, <laughs> so when, when my wife came home, so, so there was a problem. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. That's just what a lot of Christians do. They want to put on new thoughts, but they're unwilling to take off the old thoughts. Come on, Pastor. Come on now. The problem is there's a spillage issue. Everybody say, take off. And everybody say, put on. You'll never forget that. At my expense. <laughs> let, let me just give you a couple things real quick. I got 10 minutes how to take off. Let me give you three R's to renew your thinking. Number one, responsibility. This is all about taking off. First two is talking about taking off. The second's about putting on responsibility. Half the battle is admitting that you've got messed up thinking. God can't fix what you won't admit. God won't. I'm telling you. Let me say it again. God can't fix what you won't admit. We've got to take full responsibility for our thoughts. Now, this is important, what I'm about to say. You actually have control over your thinking. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't. In other words, you can. And again, I know what Martin Luther said. It's not the birds that fly over, but those that you allow to make nests. So obviously, there's all kind of crazy thoughts. But I'm talking about making a nest. You have a, you have control. You have to, if, if you think that I'm, you're just, if you, this is why it's so important. That's why culture telling you that you're just an animal and you're no, 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 no. You're made in the image of God. You're a moral creature. You're made in the image, likeness and dominion of God. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? You have the ability to decide to not be what you used to be. Meaning that I don't have to be a loser. I don't have to be in the gut. I can choose to follow God and get out of that. An animal is led by sexual instinct and survival and appetite. We're not an animal. We're made in the image of God. And we can take authority over our mind in the name of Jesus. And number one, we can take responsibility. Number two, we can reject. You can reject. We reject carnal thoughts that come into our mind. We can exercise our will. We can push through passivity. We don't have to think those thoughts. 
We don't have to receive trash in our brains. We can fight it. Now, we've got to make some choices to turn some things off. And we've got to make some choices to... Let me tell you. Here's what I tell our church. Listen, if you want to renew your mind, be very aware of your playmates, playgrounds, and play toys. Where you go, what you do, and who you hang with. Playmates... Playgrounds and play toys. And if you really want to walk with God and renew your mind and not go back to the old and walk into the new, you got to watch where you're going, who you're hanging with, and what you're doing. Pastor, I got a problem with pornography. It's on my computer. It's called throw it away. Go back old school yellow pad. In other words, you got to get radical with this thing. You, you, you got to do whatever you got to do. I've got to reject. Everybody say reject the old. Again, you can't control every bird that flies over the head, but you can make sure it doesn't make a nest. That means you got a problem with TV? Turn it off. I mean, you know, whatever you got to do, every time I get around these people, every time I get, you know, I just like hanging around, you know, just my old friends from high school. And we just, yeah, but if you're not, if they're not pushing you towards Christ, they're not, they're not helping you in your walk with God. Responsibility, reject. We, 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 we got to watch what we're exposing our minds to. Watch what we're exposing our minds to. What we, we don't have to just allow to come into our brain stuff from culture. Rescript. We can rescript our minds. I'm almost finished. We can rescript and rewrite the good things on our mind. Joshua chapter 1. This is very important. And I'm going to talk about neuroscience. Remember, modern breakthroughs in neuroscience are called neuroplasticity. You can look it up afterwards, not while I'm preaching. That's the thing, Pastor. Let me just help you because y'all are a new generation and it's amazing. And I'm 54 years old, which means I just want to make it to the end without doing something stupid. Before they put me over at Waffle House. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But, but that people looking at phones now. So just every now and then, as a, just say, y'all, y'all watching version notes or TV? So when you look at it, I, I just, I'm kind of old school. I bring my Bible to church. I, I, I just kind of bring it. I just kind of write in it still. And it's okay to write in the Bible. So I'm just saying, if you're in church, be, be following along with pastor's message. Can I have a big amen right there? Okay. All right. Well, here's Joshua chapter one, verse eight. This book of the law. What am I talking about? Three R's to renew your thinking. Responsibility. Everybody say responsibility. Everybody say reject. And everybody say rescript. Now I'm going to talk about how to rescript this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. Joshua is going into the promised land. He's scared. He's nervous. And God said something. Watch it. This is so important. Remember, he's got a brain. He's got a mind. And here it is. God said to Joshua, speak the word. When you speak the word, you're actually rescripting neuropathic pathways of God's favor and success. You're actually, you're actually rescripting again. Science has got a breakthrough today. Actually, if they'd have read the Bible, the Bible says, as a person thinketh, so are they. In other words, he said, rescript. Everybody say rescript. You're dealing with fear from the past. You got to rescript your mind. You got to rescript your mind. I, I, I dealt with, this is crazy what I'm about to tell you. I got saved, come out of the world, come just born again, Three to four or five months after I'm saved, all of a sudden, and you may make fun of me, but literally a demonic spirit of fear would torment me at nighttime. Now, remember, I'm saved in the world in the French Quarter 
at Mardi Gras. <laughs> and, so, and, and, and just, every, but I get saved. And somebody said, well, Pastor Wise, it seems, seems like after I got saved, all hell broke loose. It did break loose. It broke loose and let you go. You got a different jersey on. You're not wearing a Washington jersey. You're wearing a New Orleans Saints. Come on, son. I, I, hey, I got to be true to my people. I got to be true to my people. <laughs> I'm just, you got heaven's jersey on now. This demonic spirit literally would torment me at nighttime. If you go to sleep, you won't wake up. Pastor Doug, the one that taught me how to renew my mind. He said, Steve, get those old three by five cards. How many of you remember three by five index cards? How many of you remember K and B? Yeah, you remember that? <laughs> if you're under 30, you don't know what that is. And I got those cards. I'd write them down. And he says, when you feel that demonic power, try to come in the room, roll out of your bed, start walking back and forth and confess God's word. And I would just roll out of bed two in the morning. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. I can do all things through Christ. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my shadow. Are y'all with me or not? You know what I'm doing? Let me tell you, when you speak the word, let me tell you what you're doing. Number one, you're reminding God. Number two, you're telling the devil. And number three, you're rescripting your brain. It's all three. By the way, how did Jesus defeat the devil in the wilderness? He didn't outthink him. Devil, come here, take that. No, he spoke the word. Everybody say, speak the word. That was funny. If, if Jesus had to speak the word, how much more do we? But sometimes we just think of about pushing back darkness. You're not just pushing back. You're re-scripting your brain. All right, last point. So number one, we present our total self to God. Number two, we're not conformed, but we're transformed. Number three, we're going to fulfill God's will. Maybe you've never seen this before. There's actually a connection between renewing your mind and walking in God's plan. Here it is. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Number three, fulfill God's word. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that, so that you may be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. Paul gives us here the why. Why do we renew our minds? Why do we shore up the foundations of our thought process to be biblical and not cultural, but biblical? Why do we do that? So that we can walk in God's place. Yes, God is sovereign. Absolutely. But God, in God's sovereignty, he's given us his book and the Holy Spirit to reject the old and to put on the new. To renew our thinking, to rescript our mind with the powerful, positive framework of God's word. And then we start thinking different. Then we start feeling different. Then we start deciding different. And then we take a different direction. How many are grateful for the power of God's word? Come on, y'all grateful for that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you. I, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. If just take just a moment here, one minute. If may, maybe you're here. I know it's our early Sunday morning service, but maybe you're here. And you've never given your heart to Christ. And we're so honored for everybody to come every week. And I know there's people at different parts of their journey. Some that are checking out Christianity, some that are new Christians, some that have been walking with the Lord for a long time. But maybe, maybe you're in this place. You've never come to that moment where you said yes to Christ. The very first step 
to walk in God's plan is submitting to who he is. He loves you. Jesus is not mad at you. He cares about you. He died on the cross for you. He shed his blood for you. And I want to be honest to say this. I can't save you. Pastor Tellus can't save you. Grace Covenant Church of the King, we can't save you. But I'm going to tell you what we can do. We can point to the one who can save you. His name is Jesus. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. I just sense the presence of God right now. Jesus loves you. Maybe this is your moment. This is your day. If you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I need the blood of Christ to wash me, to cleanse me. I want to surrender my heart to Jesus. If that's you, the count of three. I'm just going to ask you right where you're sitting, and then I'm going to pray for you. Just to lift your hand up high at the count of three. Pastor, I need Christ. I'm not where I need to be with God. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly, hold up your hand high so I can see it. Is there anybody? God bless. Anybody, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. Just hold your hand up high. God bless you right here, ma'am. God bless you up top right there. God bless you right there, sir. Anybody else? Pastor, count me in this prayer. I'm not where I need to be with God. Is there anybody else before we pray? God bless. God bless. All right, church, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, let's pray with those that are trusting Jesus right now. Can we do this? It's a powerful moment right now. Let's all pray together. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say this, say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this last thing. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit, and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on. Can we give the Lord-